Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And we're back for another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. Yes, it is a Tuesday, Joey Image, in the chat room. We are a day late, but that's okay. You guys uh, waited for us, and that's fine. We're a day late, but not a dollar short. Not a dollar short, as they say. (laughs) Yes, so just to let everybody know why we're doing this show a day late... I've mentioned it on the show, but I'm um, producing a short film that our mutual friend Steve Wise uh, wrote and directed, and we're in the post-production phase, and uh, Steve wanted uh, to get together and kind of go over the footage for some ideas of what to do for the edit, and Monday was the only day that he, Chad, and I could do, so had to push the show back, but um, we're still here, so that's a good thing. Um, So did you get it? What happened uh, gaming-wise for both of us this weekend? <laughs> we Well, for those that aren't Zelda fans, you might enjoy this yeah, a little just, more. Fast but forward. We, fast, if you're not a Zelda yeah. fan, just fast forward about 10 minutes, I guess. We both beat the main story of Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. I, uh, I was the first one to do it, and I sent a screenshot to Derek. I was like, I finished. I'm done. <laughs> I saw it and uh, yeah, after like my initial, because I wasn't expecting it at all. And I'm like, you ain't having a Tears of the Kingdom chat without me finishing it. So, <laughs> so I beat it, I think Sunday. I think so. It might have been, a, yeah, it might have been Sunday. It was a day or two but, after uh, I finished mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, the past week, week and a half has just been so busy that I haven't really had a chance to play it. So, I probably went through the final battle a little sooner than I should have, and it took me several tries, but 
I managed to pull through. I kind of did too, so I had to go back to an earlier uh, save on the game because I was so ill-equipped to take on Ganondorf, and I had to go to an earlier save so I could get a bunch of uh, gloom-resistant uh, foods and things like that because if, if you don't have, uh, and if you've never played the game, there's a stuff that uh, is called gloom where it's sort of, uh, there's this underground area that uh, if you get this stuff on you, it takes away health, basically, and it, it breaks your hearts that are in your uh, life meter. And you have to wear gloom-resistant clothing, gloom-resistant foods in order to counteract that. And in the final battle, every time he touches you, it just, it's just, it's a gloom fest. Yeah, I, the first time that I fought Ganondorf... I had none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the battle started, I'm like, okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to, <laughs> to win this. So I did the same thing. I went back to an earlier file and got a little more prepared. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that fight uh, took me about 10 tries to learn because there's four phases to that, that fight. And uh, the first, fi- first phase is not that hard, um, but it's the second and third phases that are a little ridiculous. And... Uh, had to go in there. Make sure if you're playing that game, just make sure you go in well prepared into that fight because it lasts a while. And funny enough, I found the last phase to be the easiest. Yeah, I mean, it was basically more or less a, um, almost like a uh, quick time event, almost. Like, there's no real way to die in it unless mm-hmm. you... Uh, stand in the gloom too much when you land on. Well, I don't want. I don't want to. Uh, I'm not. I don't want to spoil anything. But phase four is very. And once you get to phase four, it's it's smooth sailing at that point. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Um, we should do. I know we talked about doing a spoiler cast, maybe as like a Patreon bonus episode, and I would be totally down for that because I. Well, for <laughs> the most part, like I loved Tears of the Kingdom. I do have a couple of critiques story-wise, but I won't. It would involve spoiling it, so I think I won't since get into we've it. both uh, finished the game, I think for this month's Patreon, we should just do the spoiler cast instead of doing a commentary. That way, okay. we can uh, <clears throat> we can get with Wally and uh, come up with some new. We can actually ask the patrons too if you have any ideas for stuff that you want to do commentary tracks for. That'll give us a whole other month to kind of get that nailed down but for this month i would very much like to do a a spoiler filled episode for tears of the kingdom oh absolutely you know you don't have to twist my arm if zelda's involved yeah and and i had just played uh minish cat before tears of the kingdom came out and then we i have a story in tonight's uh news where two more Zelda classics just landed on the Switch, and I, I'm like, man, I, I gotta go get give Zelda some rest for a bit. I can't, can't just dive into two new Zelda games I've never played before. Yeah, what's the best way to take a break from playing Zelda? You play more Zelda. Play more Zelda, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anything else you want to bring up before we go into the news this evening? Uh, no, I don't think so. I know we've got a lot of news to get into, so should probably dive right in. All right, let's do it. Nice stories were submitted to us by Mr. Armez Jackson and uh, a few more people that I forgot to put in here, so I forgot who sent us these. So if you did, 
I completely apologize, and I will fix it on the next episode. But uh, the first story tonight comes from, I think this one came to us from uh, I Am The Rampage, but uh, this is from GamesRadar.com. And uh, after 25 years, a modder has finally unlocked the N64 secret Nintendo would never allow. Um, He has managed to complete Banjo-Kazooie's stop-and-swap secret on the original N64 hardware, finally closing the loop on an N64 trick Nintendo never wanted to allow. The 1998 N64 classic Banjo-Kazooie features a number of secret items that were originally intended to unlock further secrets in other games by developer Rare. The devs found that when you pulled a cartridge out of the system, the game would remain in a memory for a few seconds, just long enough for you to plug a different cartridge and to read the data from a previous game. Build as Stop and Swap, this feature was brought to an end by Nintendo itself as the company feared the sudden cartridge swap could damage the system and that future N64 revisions might prevent the feature from working at all. Um, this hint, uh, The hint that these secrets tantalized Rare fans for years until a combination of data mining and interviews with the original devs re- revealed how it was supposed to work. So what do you think, Derek? Is this, this is pretty cool to finally do this after all these years. I can't tell you how many days and hours I spent following this story because you know, the way you find out in Banjo-Kazooie is if you beat the game 100%, you find out that you'll be able to get items in Banjo-Kazooie and transfer them to its sequel, mm-hmm. Banjo-Tooie. And I'm, I remember hearing about this, like how this was going to work. And my initial thought was, well, isn't that going to damage the console? And clearly Nintendo thought the same thing. I guess Rare did it without consulting with Nintendo first. But But weren't they they, already doing this on the Genesis or were trying to do this on the Genesis at some point? That I don't remember. Um, They very well could have. Because I I think this is what they were planning to do with Sonic 3 or something like that, where you stack cartridges on one another. Well, they did... They did do that with Sonic and Knuckles, where you could plug in Sonic 3 on top of the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, and you would get the Sonic 3 and Knuckles complete gaming experience. Yeah. That's probably what they should have done with Banjo-Tooie, but they, the way they fixed it was that they included these hidden uh, sentient uh, N64 cartridges that you would have to break open to find the items that you would get in Banjo-Kazooie. Mm. Now, when they were released for the Xbox 360, you could do the stop and swap. You would just have to have a Banjo-Kazooie save file. Yeah. So, like, it... I think the technology and what they were trying to do was a little bit ahead of its time. And maybe they didn't want to do the the stacking cartridge because Sega did it first. Mm-hmm. But the the video in this article is is pretty fascinating. I watched it right before we went live. And it's really almost kind of brings a gaming experience of mine full circle because I love these two games so much. And this was one of those big, like what if scenarios from, from gaming history. It just does seem like so counterintuitive to like yank out one cartridge and then jam in another one real quick. Yeah. It just, it sounds insane when you say it now, but I, I give rare credit for trying to be, a little innovative and trying to do something different and trying to essentially transfer data from one game to another. 
did it really work out? No, but the idea I always thought was really cool. Yeah. Next up from NintendoLife.com. We alluded to this a little bit earlier. Nintendo expands Switch Online's Game Boy Color Library with two Zelda classics. In a new Switch Online update, Nintendo has added the Game Boy Color Classics Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Ages, and Oracle of Seasons. Both of these titles were originally released on a handheld system in 2001. These games can be played individually in any order, but you'll get even more out of this experience if you play both of them and make use of the password system. This is the one instance of the password system that I like. Yeah. Uh, you So you link the two games together and you get what's essentially a like a final story where the games are kind of linked together and you have to fight the resurrected Ganon. So the the stories do coincide in a way, and it's actually done really well. And both games are great. Yeah, I'm I'm a little more partial to seasons because time travel's been done a lot in Zelda, and that's what happens in Ages. So I like the dynamic of seasons a little bit better. But uh, you were mentioning earlier you've never played either of these. I've games. never played these because I was not a, a, a mobile gamer. So I I had the original Game Boy, and that was it until I got a Switch. So I missed all this stuff. So I do want to play these, but like I said, I have to give Zelda a rest for a bit. I just have to. Yeah, understandable. But I, I definitely think that you should you should give these a shot. Like I said, both are really good. And I think you'll enjoy both because it plays <laughs> just like Link to the Past and um, Link's Awakening. Joey in the chat room, Joe, Joey Image in the chat room says, the cool thing about the Game Boy Color was that it was a Game Boy, but, you know, with color. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks it's for like that. Game Boy, but, <laughs> but you a, know. Astute but observation. <laughs> Breaking news yeah. here on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. Um, uh, I love that. This is a new game that just uh, landed on the Switch if you like the old Disney games. There's a new Disney game that just dropped on the Switch called Disney Illusion Island. Um, and this is a review for it on um, on NintendoLife.com. I'm not going to read the whole review. You can go read it yourself. But I just wanted to drop this in there because uh, this is a really cool uh, side-scrolling platformer on the switch that uh, has of course like all the disney characters in it and i really think you should go give it a, a, a look-see because this looks really cool and i was really tempted to to get this the other day when i saw it on the switch i love the animation style of this game it looks so so good mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the um, like Castle of Illusion and the World of Illusion games yeah. that uh, we've talked about in old episodes, and this seems like a spiritual successor. I know it says mm -hmm. that it's not part of the classic series, but it definitely reminds me of it. So I'm with you. I'm really tempted to get this. And it's got a very stylized art style to it. Like, it's not what you would normally see as far as, you know, Mickey Mouse and Donald uh, and, and Minnie and Goofy. It's like they have a very, I don't even know what to call it. Like, what would you compare this art style to? Like, it's almost like a Gendy Tartakovsky version of the, the, the Mickey characters. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what you'd call it. Uh it's similar to an animation style that I feel like Disney has been using for Mickey for a bit now, because mm. I recognize the style. I just don't know what you would call it, but the environments look great. 
I I really really want to play this. Uh, and Pikmin Four came out too, so I know I want to get it. So I I gotta decide what I want to play next. <laughs> this di- but this game Illusion Island looks really cool, and I'm very tempted to pick this up. Next up, also from NintendoLife.com, Double Dragon Advance Super and Collection announced for the Switch. Following the release of Double Dragon Gaiden Rise of the Dragons on the Switch, Arc System Works has now announced Super Double Dragon and Double Dragon Advance for all platforms, including Nintendo's hybrid system. They will both be available as standalone digital uh, purchases, which will be making their way to consoles on November 9th of this year. In addition to this, a Double Dragon collection has also been announced for the Switch. It will be made available physically and digitally in Japan. It will contain Super and Advance along with the original four games previously released as standalone purchases on the eShop. So the collection will include Super Double Dragon, Double Dragon Advance, Double Dragon 1, 2, 3, and 4. So if you're a Double Dragon fan... You are a happy camper. I am a Double Dragon fan, and I this I think this is going to be a purchase for me. I, I feel like you got to get this. Oh yeah, I just I mean, and, and just looking it, at the screenshots, I'm like, I have to get this. It All just these... makes me think of the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this next story is from MyNintendoNews.com. Red Dead Redemption Remaster seemingly coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, Rockstar Games seems to be plowing on ahead for a remaster of the beloved Red Dead Redemption, which made its debut back in 2010 on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. A new remaster has yet to be announced by Rockstar, but it is seemingly in the works. Today, a Twitter Twitter data, data miner discovered a new logo for the remaster along with placeholders for a Nintendo Switch version. Uh, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 version are also listed as they are the original consoles. Not clear whether the remaster will come to the Switch or whether it will be simpler port um, of the original Red Dead Redemption game. Really depends on how much work is going into the remaster. Um, I, I know this is just a rumor, but I really loved the original Red Dead Redemption and I would play through it again in a heartbeat. Two did not capture me i probably put 20 to 30 hours into it before i dropped off it just didn't capture me like the first one did and then with the red dead undead expansion was just a whole nother game right there with that expansion so if they brought this to the switch i'm playing through red dead redemption again that game is just one of the best games that's of this century so far yeah i was I was about to say Red Dead Redemption is one of the best games of the modern era. And if you said that Red Dead Redemption was Rockstar's best game, I wouldn't really argue it. I mean, I think it's in their top three. I mean, people would probably argue, you know, uh, um, what's that? Like Grand Theft Auto V, because they've already put out like 12 different versions of it, and they're still putting out versions of it. But I've never really been a Grand Theft Auto fan, but... Red Dead Redemption was just so good. Yeah, from start no, I, to I love Red Dead Redemption. I'm right there with you. If if it is re-released for the Switch, I will get it and play through it again. One hundred percent. And finally, from RetroDodo.com, the NES classic Ducktales has been ported to the Super Nintendo. Uh, that will touch Double Dragon Neon though. <laughs> 
Rampage in the chat. Uh, the classic retro video game DuckTales for the NES has been ported over to the SNES by a skilled ROM hacker. The particular ROM hacker in question is one that should be familiar to Retro Dota readers. It is our friend Infidelity NES who brought us the amazing Super Mario Brothers 3 Plus project. And it would seem that he is back at it again, this time bringing over a classic NES game to the SNES console, which means lots of room for awesome quality of life improvements and technical enhancements. And uh, you can see uh, some of the differences. Uh, there's a side-by-side -side comparison. The The graphics don't look extremely different but man if they had ported this to the super nintendo it would have been a l way bigger game than it was and it's still really popular like it's still one of the best nes games ever made i don't know why they never did because this was one of the best games that capcom put out for the soup the, the regular nintendo and then i think if they would have just did a remaster of this for the super nintendo when it came out it would have sold just as many, if not more. Mm -hmm. And the graphics are already great for the just for the Nintendo. If they would have put this on the Super Nintendo and just made it sharper, you know, better backgrounds, um, things like that. I mean, I could just oh, I would play that right now. Yeah, I would have bought that in a heartbeat had it been out for the Super Nintendo. But yeah, this is cool. I would have <laughs> if they. They just need to do DuckTales everything. They just, need, they just need to remaster this game like once a year for the rest of my life for everything. And I would just keep buying it over and over again. Did you ever play the remastered version for the 360? No, I never did because it came out like towards the end of the 360 when I didn't have the 360 anymore because I had given it to my nephew. It was pretty cool. The, the animation style looked just like the cartoon. I know. I wanted it, it but I just couldn't get it. Yeah, it, it was it was really good. I, I really like DuckTales. I just like that universe. Oh yeah, and that game is really good too. Still, the best music on the, the some of the best music on the original NES. Oh, one hundred percent. That brings us to this month in video game history. <laughs> On August 12th of 1981, the IBM Personal Computers released for $1,565 with 16K RAM, no disk drives, and a four-color, four, count them, four-color CGA graphics. We've come a long way <laughs> in technology. Dude, $1,565 in 1981 has got to be like ten grand today. Uh, let's see. I, I would say at least $5,000. You're probably right. If you could so pull up inflation, a... Inflation. Inflation calculator. calculator. Da, 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 da. Let's see. $1,565. I feel like everybody I knew either had an Apple Macintosh or an IBM computer. Let's see. This would have been, what, 1981? Yep. August. In 1981, I purchased an item for $1,565, and in 2023, $5,252.98. <laughs> you imagine dropping $5,000 on a computer right now? I I just like to have $5,000. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> 
in August of 1982, Coleco launches ColecoVision in North America, the first console with versions of Donkey Kong and Sega's isometric Zaxxon. ColecoVision is such a fun word to say. It is. It just rolls off the one? tongue. I've never played. I've not. I've never played a ColecoVision. I don't. I didn't even know anybody that had one when I was a kid. Makes me think of Smellovision. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know a couple of people that had the Intellivision when I was a kid, but nobody had a ColecoVision. I mean, I'd love to try one one day. I mean, if I ever came across one in the wild, like at a flea market, I would definitely pick it up. But that's just something you never come across anymore. Mm-mm. Uh, let's see, August 26th of 1989, Nintendo releases the Zelda Game & Watch. I ran across the new one uh, in Walmart a couple of weeks ago, and all, I almost bought it. Like, I was so tempted. Eventually, I will get one, because this is one of the few Zelda games that I've never played. So I, I'd, be, I'd be interested to try it out, and, that, and just to have it you know, for a collection. And Joey in the chat room says he still has his ColecoVision. I'm sure you do. Joey's closet is like a like like Santa's sack. Like you just reaches in there. He can pull out any gaming console from any generation. That should be like a something he does on his YouTube channel. Like invite a friend <laughs> over once a week and he just pulls a random thing out of his closet. That would and make then a, talks about it for half an hour. That would make a great video. Joey, why are you not doing that right now? That is a great idea. I I will fly up to Jersey. <laughs> we should fly up to Jersey and be his first guest. That's that sounds good to me. <laughs> and then uh finally August 2nd of 1995, Sega releases Comic Zone for the Genesis in North America, which is a beat 'em up game heavily inspired by comic books. That was a hard game, man. <laughs> I loved it. It's a great game, but you only get one life. You got to finish the game on one life. Yeah, that that was a bit much, but I I like the idea of the game. I like the look of it, but the the one life thing is that, that's that's tough. It's too much. <laughs> um, but before we go into our uh, Patreon shoutouts, I do have a uh, I missed a top five last week from Mister Josh Hartman. And I wanted to rectify that. And I missed one from Wally last month, but then I, I looked through and I couldn't find it. And I told him to resend it. I never I never found it again. So uh, I apologize to Wally for that, but I will make this one right. It's from Mr. Josh Hartman. And, of course, last week was uh, it was our top five um, best games based on movies. And uh, he says, this is hard because a lot of them, uh, let's see, five. Street Fighter, the movie, the game. <laughs> he says it's awful, but I love to own it. Uh, let's see. Five, Batman Returns for the Super Nintendo. I don't like the movie, but I love that beat-em-up. Oh, man, you don't like the movie? What's wrong, man? Did, did, somebody, did, did Batman hurt you? Tell, tell us how Batman hurt you. Uh, <laughs> number four, minor, Minority Report for the Xbox. Very underrated. I don't remember that even yep. being a game. I now that you mention it, I do vaguely remember it, but I never played it. I didn't either. Uh, three Star Wars, the arcade machine, good pull. Yep. Uh, two X Men Origins Wolverine for the 360, because that's how you make a Wolverine game, darn it. And I totally agreed. Uh, and obviously, number one is Spider Man 2 for the Xbox. I spent way too long just web slinging in that game, but that's amazing and still 
fun to play today. I like the Spider-Man pun he used. Yep. So, Josh, there you go. I, I rectified missing your, your top five list. I won't do it again, I promise. But uh, <laughs> before, before we go into the review tonight, which I'm ready to uh, destroy this game, <laughs> Derek, would you like to do our shout-out? Yes, as always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out our newest patron, James, a.k.a. Jimbo Jr. on Discord. Travis Martin, Raven, Danny House, Justin Nispel, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. B-Res Coffee himself, Mike Eveland, Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage. Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, and of course, Mama Diamond herself, Donna Diamond. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on for us here at the show. For just as little as a dollar a month, you get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and you get early access to our fun commentary tracks. Or, in this case, bonus episode, we're going to be doing a spoiler-filled episode of Tears of the Kingdom for the month of August. We will be putting up a poll for uh, the September commentary track, so I believe it's if you're $3 and above, you get to vote in the polls. Oh, and Joey, and I, I did want to... Joey, we have to add Joey back into the shout-outs because he's, he's back on Patreon as of today. So you're back in the shout-outs, okay. my friend. Shout-out to Mr. Joey Image, who's also in the chat. So I, I wanted to say this about um, about the Patreon polls. You know, there, there are a few constants in life. You know, the sun rises, <laughs> the sun sets, and any poll that I post ends in a three-way tie. <laughs> are you guys doing that on purpose? I, I, I would is... love to know. Like, I if so, I appreciate the troll job. From one troll to a, another, I I respect it. But hey, at least you, that... got, you got three, three uh, um, reviews lined up. Yep. So um, for next week, I'm going to be reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Fall of the Foot Clan for the, which was originally released for the Game Boy, as part of the Kawabunga Collection. Thanks to you, the Patreon subscribers. So if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to Patreon.com/NerdCaveRetro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media info, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or X, whatever it's called today. Uh, or Instagram so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey Derek, have you heard the news? What news? We officially have our very own line of coffee at brezcoffeeco.com. That's right. Nerd Cave Retro now has its very own medium roast coffee. If you want to try it yourself or even some of the other awesome flavors like Wizard's Potion, which is a butterscotch, caramel, and hazelnut-flavored roast. Or the Dragon's Breath Roast, which is a cinnamon dolce-flavored roast. They have tons of different flavors, and you can also just get a regular Colombian roast and add any flavor to it that you want. They even keep their seasonal roasts all year round. If you need that boost to get you through those all-night gaming sessions, then head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the promo code NCR for 10% off your order. And tonight, we're going to be talking about... Even the music's annoying. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I really do. 
that's enough of that. <laughs> We're talking tonight about Bubsy and Claws Encounters of the Furred Kind. And the only reason I, I wanted to do this game is because, of course, last month our top five was uh, t- uh, well, top five um, failed gaming mascots. And Bubsy was always at the top of that list because he is, and I even put it in my notes for this game, that uh, Bubsy is, uh, let's see, where did I put it? But uh, he, he is the top tier of 90s failed mascots. And I guess this game did well enough to warrant a sequel, but Bubsy needs to stay firmly in the 90s where he belongs. So please, no reboots of Bubsy, please. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, there are certain characters that, like, I understand the appeal. Like, yeah, I'm going to be biased, but like Sonic. Mm -hmm. You have a successful game, and then that spawned off a comic book series, multiple animated series. Bubsy got that. I believe there was a Bubsy cartoon series. Yeah. And there was a sequel. And I don't <laughs> understand why. Like I have not I didn't end up playing any of this of the actual game, but I did watch some gameplay. And I got to be honest, within about 10 seconds of being on screen, I just pictured Bubsy as this insufferable douchebag. <laughs> that I want nothing to do with. Uh, well, just to tell you a little bit about the game, uh, it says is often shortened. Uh, Bubsy in the, the entire title of the game is Bubsy in colon claws encounters of the third kind often shortened to just Bubsy. Uh, it is a platform game first released for the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo by Accolade in 1993. Is the first entry into the Bubsy. Bubsy, Bubsy series of video games. The game's title is a play on words re- re- to a, in reference to the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Thank you for that. Uh, with the game we re- revolving around Bubsy defending the planet's supply of yarn balls from alien invaders. Uh, it was ported to Windows in 1995 under the title Super Bubsy. A sequel, Bubsy 2, was released in 1994. And how this game got a sequel is so far beyond me. I, I don't even know what to say about that. But basically, the, the first thing you're going to notice if you play this game, it is a, a Sonic clone. 
It's basically the same sort of gameplay as Sonic, but not as good because I kept wanting this game to be fast like Sonic, but everything in this game is designed to slow you down and you can never get any momentum because everything's designed to slow you down and, dare I say it, one hit kills. Enough said. One hit kills in the game. I'm surprised that you can't collect like a a ring substitute. Yeah, because at least with Sonic, you get hit and you lose all your rings. But with Bubsy, I mean, I you collect yarn balls, but it's not like you get hit and you lose all your yarn balls. You just freaking die. That you can start over at the beginning of the level. That's it. And I didn't even. It took me, you know, at about thirty minutes of playing it before I realized that you could float sort of almost fly uh, at certain when you're going kind of fast and you can, you know, jump up in the air and you can sort of float uh, down to the ground instead of just, you know, falling uh, and, and dying as soon as you hit the ground. So that helped a lot, but still not enough to make me actually want to play the game past the third level. (laughs) So what you're basically saying is it took, the Sonic formula, but everything that was successful about it, they just removed it. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much the gist of it. I guess my thing is, uh, minus Bubsy seeming like a obnoxious jerk, um, I'm trying not to use bad language here, (laughs) but um, it, it just, it seems like your typical platformer, but not nearly as fun like games like this were a dime a dozen around this time and and like you're not you're not gonna make a platformer as good as mario and that's the thing like this game is designed to be sort of like a sonic clone but and your only method of attack is to land on is to jump on something much like sonic does or mario does but it seems like every time i tried to jump on something i would hit it in a way to where it would kill me. Like, like you have to be, like, pixel perfect when you're jumping on enemies to to get past them, and it just it, ugh, it drove me nuts. Yeah, that, that kind of makes me think of the remastered Crash Bandicoot games where if you don't land on an enemy just right, then you're, you're, you're toast. And Joey in the chat room said, let's get a mashup game, Bubsy versus Boogerman. Like, don't do that to Boogerman. I actually enjoyed Boogerman. <laughs> Bubsy, not so much. I can't remember what it was called, but there was a, a series on YouTube where they would take popular characters and have them fight each other. Like they had Batman <laughs> versus Darth Vader yeah. for one. Oh, yeah. They should do a, a Bubsy versus Boogerman. Or they, they and, and just do, have them both lose. Or Bubsy versus Sonic, and just have Sonic just completely destroy Bubsy into into a uh, and and just explode him into <laughs> you know uh, uh, fur and and guts all over the place, and just little remnants of whatever yarn balls yeah. he's collected. <laughs> um, and I didn't write too many notes on that. I mean, I'm pretty much already given all my notes except for. Uh, the humor of the game is definitely not my cup of tea. It's so 90s and quote-unquote edgy 
but not edgy at all, just annoying. <laughs> like everything in the 90s had to be. And that's the thing. Like, I, I, I went into this game with, with a perspective, like, would I have enjoyed this game at the time in 1993? And I, I don't think I would have if I played this game. I just, I think this game is more aimed squarely at, like, I would say 8 to 11 years old, 11 year olds. I'm doing math in my head of how old I would have been at that time. <laughs> no, that that would have been I would have see 93 I would have been 7 or 8. Mm-hmm. So I I may have enjoyed it, but I don't think this would have been a game that would have stuck with me. Yeah. You know, because I played quite a few Super Nintendo games between like RPGs and different platformers. I I'm a little surprised that I didn't give this a shot cuz it seems like a game on the surface that I would have liked. But in going back and watching gameplay, I'm I just I don't have any desire to actually try it cuz it looks like nothing special that I wouldn't have played in the 90s. Yeah, cuz I was what 1993, I was 16 years old at the time. I was already moving on to uh, I'd gotten my first computer uh, that summer between 10th, 10, uh, 10th grade and 11th grade. So I was roughly 16, 17 years old when I got my first computer. And then I was on to PC gaming at that point. I was already kind of not really playing many video games at this time. I mean, I had gotten my Super Nintendo in 91 when it first came out. was playing it, you know, this is two years later. I, you know, I was kind of maybe not playing it as much anymore. And it's just... This is the type of game that just did not speak to me at all, especially at that that time. Like, I remember, you know, I remember the advertisements for us. The advertisements for this game were everywhere. They were trying so hard to make Bubsy a thing. And I, I don't know, I just kind of rebelled against it. Like, I'm not playing that game. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I would love to know what kind of money they put into the marketing budget. At the time, I mean, it had to be millions. Well, and I I remember, I I can't recall seeing any commercials on TV, but I remember ads in Mm. um, Electronic Gaming Monthly and Nintendo Power. And comic books. I was was heavily into comic books at the time. And I could probably go downstairs right now and look through all my old comic books from 1993, and almost every single one of them had at least one Bubsy advertisement in it. You think they advertised it so much that people just kind of got sick of it? Probably. I mean, they, it just feels so forced. You know, like, Sonic and and and, and especially Mario. Like, Mario kind of happened organically. I mean, even, you know, and Sonic was meant to... I, I don't even think they originally meant for Sonic to even be a mascot. It's like they made him... And then they realized after they, you know, they were making the game, they were like, I think we have something here. I feel like Bubsy from the get-go was like, we have to make a mascot character. And then, you know, it's comic books and cartoons and toys and movies and blah, blah, blah. We're going to do all this stuff. And it's a mediocre, not even really mediocre game, like less than mediocre yeah, this would have been uh, the the kid that got held back a year. Yeah. 
<laughs> glass. Um, yeah, the thing, and I think the reason why, or one of the reasons why Mario and Sonic were so successful with Mario, we had never really seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Sonic, where Sonic was almost the anti-Mario. You still had the platforming aspect, but in a different style. And that's why it worked. And that and I think the way that their personalities were portrayed through comics, because there there were some Mario comics as well, um, not not to the level of Sonic, but you got enough and, and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. So you got to see their personalities. And that's why those two characters have had such staying power. Yeah. And, and says, I just don't, I don't think Bubsy had that. And you had a lot of companies that were trying to recreate that magic, but hmm. you couldn't because it's almost like I'm going to set out to write the greatest book ever written. Well, what, what qualifies it as that? Like, I'm not going in with the mentality of I'm going to write the greatest book ever written. Yeah. I'm going to write a book that I feel passionate about. The first and it thing just happens need, kind of organically. Yeah. The first thing you need to do is make a game that doesn't suck. You know, make a good, a good game start. with a good character and just let, if it happens, you know, if he becomes a mascot, great. But don't make a character with the intention of becoming this huge thing and then rip off a better game and make a worse game out of it. Like, if you're going to copy Sonic the Hedgehog, you better make a better game than Sonic the Hedgehog because... If you're used to playing Sonic and you, then you play this game, it's going to aggravate you because everything in this game is designed to kill your momentum instead of feeling that sense of speed that you get with Sonic. It's the anti-Sonic. It is. Is really it, what it is. Yes. And I mean, there's a moment in watching the, the gameplay that really sold me as, okay, I really have no desire to play this game. And it goes back to the personality thing. So you know how at the beginning of the game, you're going through like a tutorial and showing you like what to do and what buttons to press and whatnot. Whenever you're doing that, you see like words pop up on the screen that says, oh, press up and down to look up and down. Mm. And Bubsy like almost looks at you breaking the fourth wall and has just the most smug look on his face. And I'm like, I don't like you. Yeah. I want to introduce your face to the back of my hand. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It says in here um, for reception for the game, uh, pre-release anticipation for the game was very high with the game receiving aggressive marketing regarding the game as the next Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario. Uh, Bubsy himself even won Electronic Gaming Monthly's most hype for a character of 1993. Uh, Andy Eddy pr- highly praised the game's nonlinear level designs in video games and computer entertainment, but criticized that bu- Bubsy suffers from uncontrollable momentum. He also complained that the backgrounds often don't move enough to give the player a frame of reference, when taking big leaps and concluded Bubsy's flaws don't kill it because there's loads of fun in there, but they do bring it down a notch or two. Maybe that was another thing problem when I was playing it is I just felt so out of control when I was trying to play. The, there's no sense of, even when you're playing Sonic, 
you still feel like you're in control. Like you can make those stops on a dime. You can, you know, you can do jumps while you're, you know, in the, the ball mode, all that kind of stuff that makes Sonic what it is. With Bubsy, you just feel like once he gets going, you're just waiting for the whatever the next obstacle is to, to pop up and kill your momentum and kill you, basically. It's... I really don't know what else to say about this game except, like, I, I get it winning the most hype award. Like, that makes sense. But It, it says anticipation for the game was very high. I don't know if the anticipation was high, but it was definitely aggressive marketing. I don't know if anybody was like, oh, I can't wait for this game to come out. But but look at the, the scores. Like, EGM gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, SNES Force gave it a 70. Mean Machines an 80. Uh, let's see, Sega Pro 81. Maybe they didn't know better. Maybe at the time it was acceptable. Because, I mean, it looks like the average score here was basically about a 7 out of 10. Um, the average. So, that's still a C. Uh, C grade, so uh, that's still not, you know, Mario numbers or Sonic numbers. That's still uh, not great. I mean, it, it's a it's a serviceable uh, number for a game. Like, it, you know, it's playable, it's enjoyable, but is it something that's going to be around for years? I don't think so. And time has told no. <laughs> that it, no, he yeah. was not. So I gotta ask, what's your number score? Uh, I mean, I hate to give anything. At least most mediocre games get a five, but I gotta give it like a four. I mean, it's because the thing is, is I played it last weekend, and I gave it a good hour and a half of playing it, um, just to kind of get a feel for it. And then I was trying, I fired it up again this last weekend just to get, you know, a little further or play it some more, maybe, you know, give it another chance or anything. And I just, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't even, I had no, absolutely zero desire to go back and play it again for a second time. I'm surprised you gave it that high of a, a grade. I was expecting you to give it a three. I mean, it's not as bad as uh, as Fester's Quest. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But I don't know. It gets a four. It, it's not... It's not unplayable. It's just... Not it, good. Not good. Like, if if you're curious about it, I would say yes, give it a try. But this is not something I would recommend at all like if i ran across this at a flea market for like 10 cents i still wouldn't pick it up like i, I would just not it doesn't they belong. should have to pay you to take yeah. the game off their hands yeah, this does not belong in a, in a collection like it, it, unless you're a completionist and you just really want to have the whole super nintendo library other than that it, it's not worth the pickup so it looks best when you pass it on the shelf. Pretty much, yeah. 
But I respect I, that. I hope to God they don't try to bring Bubsy back, like in some sort of weird remaster or reboot. Like, let's just leave, just leave Bubsy back where in 1995 where he belongs. I just hope that next week our lead story isn't Bubsy coming back for a reboot. Uh, if it does, I. If it does, we can never say anything bad about anything. I mean, how else do we use that power to our advantage, though? We have to. Yeah, we got to figure out a way to harness it. Yeah, because I swear, if they come out with an announcement for Bubsy next week, we have we have serious like psychic powers, and we have to harness it for good. That sounds like a great short film idea. Too. Okay, Rampage says the last Bubsy game was out in 2019. Let me. Bubsy. I wow! I didn't know that. Twenty. Uh, let's see, Bubsy, Bubsy, Bubsy. Buh, it was Bubsy. Pause on fire. Uh, yeah. Released for the uh, PlayStation Four, Windows, and Nintendo Switch. In the Switch. Oof. I just can't bring myself to even care enough to even go look at gameplay of this okay okay i have to see this story bubsy and his friends are celebrating the 14th annual yarn ball when the woolies twin queens polly and oh god polly and esther that's warn him about the return of the corrupt entrepreneur oinker p ham okay who is capturing animals across the universe for his own personal zoo (laughs) the amazutorium just stop (laughs) Just stop. This is... Uh, and he has a sidekick named Arnold. I'm not... Of the of all the normal names, you just... You choose his sidekick to have just Arnold. And, do, and don't any of you out there dare buy this for me because I'm not playing it. I'm <laughs> not going to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I, I will put it back in the mail and return to sender. Uh, along with something else that yeah. I probably wouldn't like. <laughs> I'll, I'll, put, I'll put some cat poop in there and be like, Bubsy did it. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I won't do it then. So don't, You tempted me, but I won't do it. Don't look for me to do the Bubsy sequel either because I'm not... I'm not gonna even try that sequel unless you. I'm, I'm already gonna say I'm not gonna do it unless you want to do it. That that's fine, but I'm not playing part two. I'm just not gonna. The do only it. way I would do it is if I lost a bet, and I'm not gonna make a bet where that's a stipulation. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. So, uh, if you're Bubsy fans out there, I'm sorry I crapped all over your game, but this was bad. It was not good. Real bad. Real bad. But Derek, that brings us to the end of this rant-filled review of Bubsy and Claws Encounters of the Third Kind, which is the longest game name in history. So yeah, it's got to be up there. But we'll we'll have a a a much better review next week because I will we'll be talking about Ninja Turtles. Yes. So tell everybody what you're doing next week. Yep, next week I'm going to be reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan. If you have the Cowabunga Collection, it is part of that. It was originally released for the Game Boy, so uh, 
yeah, figured it'd be a good week to to talk some Ninja Turtles. Speaking of so. Ninja Turtles, uh, before we move on, have you seen the new Ninja Turtles toys in Walmart? I have not. They're so cool. I want every single one of them. I I want to see the movie so badly. Like I, I hope to go tomorrow, but I've heard nothing but mm-hmm. really good things about it. And they're affordable too. Like just the action figures, like the turtles, the single turtles are like ten dollars. And then they have these dual where you you could get like uh, I think it's Donatello, you know, each turtle with another uh, you know villain figure. So you get two, okay. and it's like twenty bucks. I'm like, I I have to get all these. I want every single one of these. Okay, yeah, I'll have to look into that because like I love the way the characters look. I love the animation style. I I can't wait to see the movie. Yeah, Mushmouth in the chat room. What's up? Uh, he says that movie looks dope. Yes, it does, and I want to go see it ASAP. Same, but uh, but that brings us to the end of the episode. So, uh, what you got going on with the Derek Diamond experience? So, if you're a fan of games, which I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you are, uh, you should check out this week's Derek Diamond experience because I interviewed Miss Jen Taylor, aka the voice of Cortana from Halo. That's so cool, and. And we, what was cool about it is that she is a legitimate fan of the series. Like we talk about the lore of Halo in the interview, which is something I never expected to talk about with the voice of Cortana, but it's still, it was a really fun episode. I hate that she couldn't talk about the series mm. because of the, the SAG strike. Yeah. Cause I, I wanted to, to get into some of the criticisms of it, but. It was still a really fun interview, so you can check that out on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You can head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast to subscribe to the audio version or to follow me on social media. And much like this show, if you could, uh, please leave a review because they really do help. Uh, The more reviews that my show gets, that this show gets, that Open Micers gets, the more visible it is for those that are searching for podcasts of its genre. So it just takes a minute and it doesn't cost anything. So if you could do that, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would very much appreciate it. Yeah, and go check out uh, the Open Micers podcast at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. We've had so many good guests over the last couple of weeks. I mean, we've had Dave Stone on the show. Um, I can't even think of everybody. Just go just go check it out. We've had so many good comedians on the last couple of weeks. It's It's insane. We've had so many good guests, so just there's plenty of content over there if you're looking for uh, something funny to listen to. Just go check out the Open Micers podcast, at Open Micers, Twitter, and Instagram. So Derek, I think that's it. Is that everything? I believe so. Let's walk out the door. If you want to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Nerdcaveretro.com is our link tree, and that includes our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, our Discord uh, and our merch shop, which you can get to by going straight to ncrmerch.com. Over there, we got t-shirts, we got hats, we got stickers, magnets, bags, mugs, whatever your nerdy little heart desires. Follow us on social media at NerdCaveRetro, at JPunkTastic, and at Derek underscore Diamond. And of course, please leave us a review and or a five-star rating on all podcasting platforms. It only takes a couple seconds, and it puts us in front of a bigger audience. So thank you guys for doing that, and uh, that's about it. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. 
May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Chucker, eh? This podcast is a Zoo House LLC production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.